so today we are going to do something a little bit different um, in the message than uh, we normally might do. Um, instead of easing our way into uh, an important topic, um, we're just going to jump right into the deep end here in just a second. So get ready for that. And then uh, usually in the message, um, I'll read a passage of scripture near the beginning and uh, we'll spend most of the message just sort of unpacking that passage of scripture. So we're going to flip things around a little bit today. I'm going to introduce to you um, an idea. Uh, spend some time unpacking that idea, and then near the end, we're going to read a passage of scripture that's really going to drive things home. Okay? Make sense? Uh, so, last week, um, I introduced an idea. I suggested that there is one equation, uh, literally a mathematical equation, that can explain one of the most important dynamics in our journey of life or in our journey of faith. One equation that describes why some people move towards health and wholeness in their lives and why other people over the course of their lives actually move away from health and wholeness. So uh, the name of this little two-week series last week and this week is the most important equation in your life. And uh, the first half of the equation that I gave you last week was this. Deep fears plus deep wounds, which means every single one of us has deep fears, right? Whether we're aware of it or not, whether we're honest about those fears or not, whether we're public about those fears, right? We all have deep fears. And deep means uh, they're hidden deep down inside. We've been carrying them for a long time. And they actually shape who we are in powerful but often unseen ways. We also have deep wounds, right? Wounds from our childhood, uh, wounds from our teenage years, wounds from our adult years. Um, some of our wounds are self-inflicted, right? Uh, but the ones that hurt the most are often from losses that we experience in life. Or they're from wounds that other people inflict upon us. But those wounds are deep too. They shape us in often unseen and yet still very powerful ways. Now, uh, we spent the entire message last week talking about this. We read a passage from the book of Jeremiah, so I won't go back over that. Uh, you can go back and listen to that message on our website if you'd like. But the issue is not whether or not we have deep wounds or deep fears. The issue is, what do we do with them? And that's what we're going to focus today. Uh, I want to turn uh, this equation into a full equation by actually giving you two more terms. And so here's the first term. Deep fears plus deep wounds multiplied by undealt with. All right? Undealt with means we don't really acknowledge that we have deep fears or deep Wounds, right? We hear a message like this and we walk away and say, well, it doesn't really apply to me because I don't really have those kind of fears or wounds in my life. That would be undealt with. Uh, undealt with could also mean we just ignore them because we're too afraid to deal with them. We close our eyes to them. We, we bury them deep down inside. That's what I tend to do whenever uh, a wound or an emotion or a memory or a circumstance triggers a fear or a wound. I, I just push it down back down in there and hope it goes away. That's undealt with. Or undealt with means uh, that we've all learned to protect ourselves 
against fears and wounds, right? We, we all do this at some level. We protect ourselves from situations where we're going to feel those fears or potentially experience those wounds. And, and protecting ourselves, it seems like the smartest thing we could do. And in fact, it is the smartest thing we can do when we're kids, right? It's necessary. We have to protect ourselves from the things that we're afraid of or the things that can hurt us. Uh, I remember in ninth grade, um, there was a bully at my school. He never like beat me up, but he sort of picked on everyone and I was always afraid he would. And so I learned really quickly to avoid him to stay away from him, to never be where he is, especially when he was around his friends, because that's when bullies sort of pick on people the most because they have to impress all of their friends around them, right? And so you just, you learn to protect yourself, right? If you're afraid of snakes, I was as a kid, um, of course I'm not anymore, but uh, uh, you learn to stay out of the woods and creek beds in the deep south where I grew up, right? Um, if you're afraid of the monsters in the dark, right, you learn, I just close the closet door and they can never come out and get me when I go to sleep at night. Anybody else close the closet door in their rooms, right, growing up, right? And this is a really important part of growing up, to learn how to protect yourself, to take responsibility for your safety, right? We learn something so crucial. We learn something called agency, Right? And this is very good and very important. But here's the deal. The older we get, this protection that we learn, this armor that we, that we construct, these methods of avoiding anything that causes fear or potentially wounds in our life, rather than helping us, the older we get, it can actually begin to hurt us. It can actually cut us off from the healing and the wholeness that we all deeply need. It's a little bit like a seed coat. Does anybody know what a seed coat is? Uh, when the seed of any plant forms, it develops something called a seed coat. So a couple of examples are um, a kernel of corn, right? I have a few of them right here. You guys know what a kernel of corn looks like. Uh, there's a little shell that's around that kernel of corn. It's the stuff that gets stuck in your teeth when you pop corn and some of the kernels, right? It's that kind of stuff. That's actually a seed coat. Or if you think about a sunflower seed, if you've ever eaten sunflower seeds, right, you have to crack open the shell. The shell is actually the seed coat. The seed is inside the shell. And these seed coats are in every single seed of every single plant that ever grows. And the seed coat always serves two purposes. First, it protects a raw and vulnerable and young seed. It is a protective shell. It is the first line of defense. It's what keeps the seed safe inside. But there's a second function of the seed coat, and it's even more important. The seed coat around any seed can sense when the conditions have changed. If a, if a sunflower seed is just sitting on the table, nothing's going to happen. But if suddenly... The shell or the seed coat senses that it's in soil and that moisture is nearby and that the temperature of the soil has changed and that the conditions are just right for growth. 
then the shell will open up and allow the seed to germinate, allow the seed to grow, allow the sprout to come out of the ground, allow this tiny little kernel of corn to turn into a massive corn plant that grows and produces more fruit and more seeds, right? And that's the ultimate goal of a seed, isn't it? Isn't that the seed's destiny to grow into a plant, to bear fruit, to, to have life, right? And in the beginning, this seed coat helps it survive. It protects the seed. But if the seed coat never falls away, if it never cracks open, if it never allows the seed to actually germinate and sprout and grow and bear fruit, then the seed coat will actually be working against what the seed was made to be. And here's the deal. When it comes to our fears and when it comes to our wounds, so many of us have constructed means and, and ways of avoiding those fears and avoiding those wounds. We've, we've constructed this protective armor so much so that we don't even know what our fears or wounds are. So much so that those protective armors are keeping us from the healing and the wholeness that we so desperately desire. You see, we all have deep fears and wounds, and when we don't deal with those deep fears and wounds, here's what happens. Deep fears plus deep wounds multiplied by undealt with equals deep alienation. When we don't deal with our fears and our wounds, over the months and the years and the decades, it leads to deep alienation. Uh, it leads to alienation with other people, right? Because living in your fears and wounds, that drives people away. Like We know people who live in their fears and wounds, and they're difficult people to be around. Because the more I protect myself, from how other people could potentially hurt me, the more I'm going to keep them at a distance, the more I'm not really going to let them know me or see me. And when you're not known and you're not seen, that's called alienation. You've probably heard this quote before. It's by C.S. Lewis. He says, There is no safe investment to love at all, is to be vulnerable. Love anything and your heart will certainly be wrung and possibly be broken. If you want to make sure of keeping it intact, you must give your heart to no one, not even to an animal. Wrap it carefully around with hobbies and little luxuries. Avoid all entanglements. Lock it up safe, protected in the coffin or the casket or coffin of your selfishness. But in that casket, safe and dark and motionless and airless, like in a seed coat, right, it will change. It will not be broken. It will become unbreakable, impenetrable, irredeemable. The only place outside of heaven where you can be perfectly safe from all the dangers and perturbations of love is hell. You see, when we try to insulate ourselves from fear and from wounds, we don't just insulate ourselves. We actually isolate ourselves. We become alienated from others. 
Uh, We become alienated from our true selves, from our identities in Christ, right? There is nothing that can keep you from being who you truly are, that can keep you from growing and sprouting and experiencing the life and abundance and fruit that you were designed to experience. There's nothing that can keep you from that more than undealt with fears and wounds. We become alienated from other people. We become alienated from our true selves. And most of all, we become alienated from God. Right? Because when we don't deal with our fears and our wounds, we're basically pushing away the one person who can comfort us, the one person who can sit with us in those fears, the one person that can provide healing for those wounds, the one person that can save us from all of that. Deep fears, those deep wounds, is multiplied by undealt with, and it equals deep alienation. But here's where we can actually change the equation. Because here's what else is true. Deep fears plus deep wounds dealt with equals deep wholeness. See, God wants you to be whole. You were made to be whole. We live in a world that, yes, is full of fears and wounds, and that is a reality that is not going to change this side of eternity. But we can experience wholeness. We can experience healing. We can experience health and transformation. We can experience the life and the fruit that he has for us. And if you don't believe me, listen to what the Apostle Paul says. In 1 Thessalonians, he's writing to some of his friends. They are followers of Jesus. And at the end of the letter, he writes this. It is God's will that you should be sanctified. For God did not call us to be impure, but to live a holy life. Now, um, it would be easy to just read through these verses, and it sounds kind of churchy, and there's some religious language in there. But let me explain to you a few of the words he uses. Uh, the word sanctified is the Greek word hagiazo. He originally wrote this in Greek. Hagiazo means to make someone holy or to make someone whole and pure. And then he says, because God did not call us to be impure. That word impure is the Greek word akatharsia, and it means not whole, not pure. Like when something is diseased, when something is infected, when something is wounded, and it needs healing. And then the word holy there is the word hagiasmas, and it has this idea of wholeness, right? Rightness, goodness, made newness. So if I could just paraphrase what Paul is saying in these sentences, here's what he's saying. It is God's will that you should be made whole. For God did not call us to be wounded, fragmented, broken, and fearful, but to be whole in our lives. And not just a little bit whole. Look at how Paul ends the letter. He says this, May God himself, 
The God of peace sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let me mention a few more words to you here. Peace is the word uh, in Greek, erene. And it means, uh, it's like shalom in Hebrew. You might have heard of that, right? It doesn't just mean peace. It means wholeness. It means something so much bigger than just peace. It means a sense of health and well-being that everything is right. Uh, Sanctify, same word as before, hagiatso, which means to make someone holy or whole. Uh, Through and through is a translation of one Greek word, and the Greek word is halateles, which is actually a combination of two Greek words, halas, which means whole in Greek, and telos, which means towards an end or a purpose. So halatelos means to be whole or fully to the end, towards a purpose, or uh, completely, or holistically. All right? And then he says, may your whole spirit, soul, and body... Uh, so the word whole there is another Greek word, holakleros, which is also a combination of two Greek words, the word helos, uh, holos, which means whole, and then the word kleros, which means divinely willed, or divinely orchestrated, or divinely given to you, right? So holakleros means wholly given by God himself. What's holy given by God himself? Your spirit and your soul and your body, which is every single part of who you are. And then the word for blameless is amemptos, which means without any fault, without any impurity, made entirely clean and entirely whole and entirely good again. So if I could paraphrase Paul again, here's what he's saying. May God Himself, let's put this up there on the screen. May God Himself, the God of wholeness, make you whole completely and holistically. May every divinely given fiber of your whole being, every part seen and unseen, be transformed into wholeness. That's what God wants. That's what he desires. That's what he can do in our lives. We can't do it on our own, but he can do it. He can make you whole. He can make every single part of your being, your very unique personality that's different than everyone else's, all of your strengths, all of your weaknesses, all the good parts, all of the shadow parts, all of the bad, all of the ugly, all parts seen and unseen. He can take all of them and make them whole again. But if we want to experience that, if we want the wholeness that God offers to us and wants us to have, it's going to mean dealing with our deepest fears and our deepest wounds. So how do we do that? Well, let me just kind of wrap up by giving you five really quick suggestions. And this could have been a whole nother 
uh, sermon, and uh, it's not because we're all so different. The process of wholeness and transformation is going to look very different in all of our lives. So there's not a formula for this one, right? But here's just a few suggestions that I want to give you as you begin this. Number one, make this a lifelong goal to pursue wholeness by confronting and dealing with your deepest fears and your deepest wounds. Now, you're going to have plenty of other goals in life. You're going to go through all sorts of different seasons. You have different things that you want and desire when you're a teenager and in your 20s and your 30s and your 40s and your 50s and 60s and 70s and 80s. Whatever season you're in in your life, there's going to be relational goals. There might be financial goals. There might be career goals. There might be family goals. And all of those things are good. But there should be at least one, if not a few, macro goals. And this should be one that's always at the top of the list. Pursuing wholeness, the wholeness that only God can give over the course of our entire lives. Because as we pursue that by dealing with our fears and our wounds, it will affect every other area of your life. So make this a lifelong goal. Number two, get help from a therapist. (laughs) Consider getting help from a therapist because I don't think you can do this on your own. I mean, even if you don't think you need help, right? Even if you think you've lived a boring life, right? Even if you don't think you have any trauma in your life or you don't have any problems that need to be solved because usually we think that's what therapists do, right? They solve our problems or they help us with trauma and I don't have those so I don't really ever need to go see a therapist, right? But we all have deep fears and we all have deep wounds and they are deeply buried and deeply complex. And I think every single one of us could benefit from somebody else who's trained, who understands these things to walk with us in understanding these things about ourselves. Listen, uh, if you're not willing to meet with a counselor to deal with some of this stuff, and I don't mean like one meeting, and I don't even mean like every single week. I just mean like starting the process of potentially asking somebody who knows this stuff well to help you process this. If you're not willing to meet with someone to do that, or, or maybe even to deal with conflict or something else going on in your life, then I would say that's pretty strong evidence that you're not willing to deal with your deepest fears and deepest wounds. <laughs> And of course, I can't convince you, but I can at least warn you to say, if you don't deal with it, it's just going to lead to more and more unwholeness and alienation in your life. So if you ever do want to meet with a therapist, if you would like to invite someone to walk alongside of you and work on these things, here's just a few suggestions. These are three local faith-based counseling practices we recommend, Grace Counseling and Greenwood Village. Um, Southwest Counseling in Littleton and the Clarity Group in Castle Pines. Um, If you ever need help finding a therapist, like come talk to me, email me. I would love to help you figure out how to begin dealing with these kinds of things in your life. All right, number three, learn how to name fears and wounds. You have to start giving very specific language to these things, what your actual fears are, because your fears are different than other people's fears. What are the specific wounds that you've experienced, right? Only when you begin to actually name them can you start understanding them. 
and knowing what to do about them and, and allowing God to begin to transform those things in your life. Uh, number four, pay attention to current alienation. All right, one, one thing a lot of therapists do, and this is one of the things that scares us to death about therapists, is usually they dig into your past and they dig into your story and they dig into where you came from in order to better understand your fears and wounds because the things we experience at a young age shape the rest of our lives and that scares us to death. But you don't even have to do that. Just think about the areas of your life you're experiencing alienation in right now. Who's the person in your life that you have the most conflict with? Who's someone in your life that, that you just can't see eye to eye with and you just keep you know, bumping heads with and they keep pushing your buttons and you're pushing theirs? Where are you experiencing alienation in your own identity or maybe even in your relationship with God? Chances are any place you're experiencing any alienation in your life right now has something to do with one of your deepest fears or deepest wounds. So pay attention to that. And then number five, measure progress in years, not days. <laughs> right? This is a lifelong journey. And I'm not suggesting there won't be moments of breakthrough in your journey towards wholeness. There might be, right? But more often than not, the, the process of, of transformation, of wholeness, or what the Bible sometimes calls sanctification, right? This process takes place and you will see progress, not in days or weeks or months, but, but really years and decades. And the truth is that is super discouraging to all of us because we have come to expect instantaneous results from every single thing in our lives, right? But if you want true healing and wholeness, it's not gonna be like that. So don't give up. Get started. You've spent decades, some of us more than others, living with fears and wounds. It's going to take some time to work through them. So be brave, be courageous, and begin the journey towards wholeness. Let me pray for us. Father God, we thank you for the example of Jesus that you sent to us. I think about all the broken and wounded and scared men and women and children that he just loved. And we see the healing that he offered and we see the wholeness that he gave to people. And so God, today, I just pray that you would give all of us a desire to experience that same wholeness and to know that it takes time and it's going to take work, but that you're with us every step of the way, working behind the scenes in our lives and in our hearts and in our souls and in every fiber of our beings. And so give us the courage to be a part of that with you. I pray this in your name. Amen.